Can I back the podium up a little bit? Good morning. How are you all? Amen. It's so good to be here with you this morning. Um, you know, one of the things that I love the most about being a pastor is it gives me an excuse to pray. And I just I love the presence of God. And can we just can we just take a moment and just pray? Is that all right, Pastor? All right. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you right now. And God, this is it's so good to be with church family, Lord. Uh, we love you. And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come, encourage our hearts, convict us where we need to be convicted. Lord, draw us into your presence and help us to be more like you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, praise God. It's wonderful to be here this morning. As Pastor Stephen was saying, um, we're right down the road in Charlotte. Uh, I feel like I need to tell you a little bit about myself before um, I go into the word this morning. Uh, but yes, I met your pastor uh, a few uh, months ago at an annual retreat, uh, New Life Ministries International. Um, I was an associate pastor on staff at, the, at a church in Virginia Beach who launched us to Charlotte to plant R5 Church, which stands for Rescue, Refuge, Redemption, Reconciliation, Restoration Church. It was a vision that God put in my heart uh, many years ago. And in 2007, 2000, uh, 2006, seven, somewhere around there, I went to my pastor, Pastor Dan Backens, who's the executive director of NLMI, and said, God is calling us to Charlotte. I don't know when, I don't know how, but I think that he wants us to go there. No family in Charlotte. My wife and I had only flown through there one time uh, on our way to the Bahamas. Uh, and um, just really began to sense a pull, the pull of God there. And so I went to Pastor Dan, and we started to talk about it and just, you know, just really talk and pray and talk and pray. And then in 2010, he said to me, he said, you know, you've been doing a lot of talking about Charlotte, but where's the planning at? And, and I told him, I said, Pastor Dan, I would, like to, I would like for my oldest son to finish high school first before we left. And you know, we had a conversation and essentially uh, they made a they get made a sweet deal for us and um, supported us. And we came down in 2011 and launched our five church and the rest is history. We're down there uh, seeing God move and loving on those who are far from the Lord. And so that's all. You know, I'm not really a great speaker or anything like that. I'm just reminded of my own brokenness and where God brought me from and how I felt and how I wanted somebody to just love me. Somebody just to reach out with some good news and somebody to just help me to, to turn my life around. I won't go into all of my history about how I was a young kid growing up in New York, gangbanging, getting into all kinds of trouble, doing stupid stuff, just doing stupid stuff. Now, in Charlotte, I asked my church to help me preach. So I'm going to ask you to help me preach this morning. Look at somebody and say he was doing stupid stuff. I was just doing a lot of stupid stuff. And then one day. A gentleman, I was downtown, and a gentleman came up to me and approached me and said, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And I was a young kid. I was 18. I didn't, you know, had no church background or anything. You know, I was, my mother had six of us. It was six children. And uh, when I was born, she was 18 years old. So by the time she was 18, my mom had three kids. And we grew up in the ghetto. We grew up at the bottom of the barrel. It was very difficult. And so there was no church background. There was no anything like that. It's, it's very dark out there in a lot of areas. And in some places in the United States, you would think that you're almost in a third world country. Uh, but God, look at somebody and say, but God. 
but God. And a, and a man approached me and said, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? That was hardcore. Not, brother, do you want to come play basketball with us? Or we got this youth group, or have you ever heard of Lecrae? It was nothing like that. <laughs> it was just like, hey, do you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior? And he gave me a track, and I, and I took the track home, and I kept it in my top drawer for uh, a long time. It was months and months and months uh, until the appointed time when the Holy Spirit really began to draw my heart. And I went into that dresser drawer, and I got that track and read the good news and surrendered my life to the Lord. And so I want to encourage you to continue to, uh, to, to pray and to reach out to those uh, that are broken around you. Um, and we're going to get ready to get into the word of God. I do have one more thing I want to say. My wife is not with me uh, this morning. Uh, I have a beautiful wife. We've been together for 20 years. Uh, we have three children. My youngest son is actually with me here this morning. Um, he's just kind of hanging out with dad. And then uh, my outreach director uh, and his son came up with us um, just to kind of hang out a little bit. And so uh, thank you for, she's actually back. Uh, she's a school teacher by trade and we're doing some stuff. We had a school drive yesterday. And so if I, if I just, I'm, I was very tired. So if I pass out, just call 911 and, and, and they'll take me out of here back to Charlotte. But I'm, I'm so tired. I was telling Pastor Steven, I'm learning how, how, this body, this flesh is so finite. Uh, and so uh, nonetheless, if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to the book of Mark. It's the rhetoric going back and forth. And so some bold millennial Christians, 25 to 30, mid 30s, went out on the streets of Philly and said, we're just going to pray and keep the peace. And somebody posted a video of people getting saved. People getting saved right around the little area, uh, downtown Philly, wherever they had the DNC. They were being the light. That's revival. That's the type of revival. That's how I believe personally that revival is going to break out so that God will get the glory. Will you say amen? So that God will get the glory. And can you imagine what would happen when the spirit of God just kind of moves across our, our jobs and, and our communities and you see young men? Can you see young men falling down on the sidewalk and weeping? Can you see young women at the job just crying in the break room? It's time to go back to work. I know, but I can't stop crying because the Holy Spirit has engaged their hearts and they've met with God. That's revival. And I believe that it's going to happen through us. And everyone in here, if you follow Jesus Christ, you have light. You don't have to be, you know, uh, I went to Bible college or I have this many letters behind my name. You don't need that. Now, I believe in that. Amen. I'm actually a seminary student right now. I'm on a full ride uh, uh, Master's of Arts program. I'm going as a scholarship. And y'all keep me in prayer because it is beating me down. I have a 12-page paper due tonight at midnight. And ask me how many pages I have done. Ask me. Big fat zero. Zero pages done. So I've already emailed my professor and asked for an extension. So we're going to see how that goes. But uh, so I believe in education. Praise God. I believe in it and everything. But I, I don't let that stop you from being the light, sharing the fragrance that God has put on your life, being who the Lord has called you to be. And so I want to encourage you to speak light in the darkness, to reach your hands into the darkness and pull another soul from its grips, to be a beacon of light in someone else's path, because people are living in spiritual darkness, aren't they? We see the news, we hear the stories, and we feel the weight of it. And I believe that we're supposed to feel the weight of it, because Paul encourages the church in the book of Romans. He says, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. And people around the world are weeping. 
you talked a moment ago about the refugee crisis. We also partner with an organization in Charlotte. It's called Refugee Support Services. We've been partnering with them for years since we've actually established our church about a year or so after we got going. And we help with the refugees that are coming into Charlotte. Right now, because of civil war and different things going on, there are 65 million refugees displaced around the world. 65 million people displaced from their homes and et cetera, because of all the different things that are going on. You know what that is? That's darkness. That's darkness. We have terrorist attacks at home and abroad. There's all kinds of civil unrest. Some of you that watch the news know that about a month or so ago, they had a failed uh, coup attempt in Turkey. Anybody familiar with that? Anybody know what a coup d'etat is? I preached that a few months ago and I, or last month, and I said, y'all know what a coup d'etat is? I think somebody said, isn't that a drink at Starbucks? What's a coup d'etat? <laughs> but it's when the, 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 the government is, 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 is there's, a, there's an attempt to overthrow the government. Can you imagine if something like that happened here in the United States, the uproar, the unrest that would happen? And, and, and also right here in our own country, we have this, 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 this racial divide that it, it swells and then it calms, just kind of goes back under the radar. It swells and then it calms, it goes back under the radar. Why? Because darkness is prevailing. And the Lord put this sermon on my heart a month ago or so when I wrote it, I was praying and I said, Lord, there's so much darkness. I said, Lord, my children are going to be adults. What, what are the world that they're living in? I know the last days. I know scripture tells of these things, but it's so dark. It's so dark when you see people taking lives like, like it's nothing and you see all this stuff going on. And the Lord re really began to remind me, you have the light. You be the light. You affect change where you can. Every opportunity you have to share light, do it. Don't wait. Don't wait till you get in a pulpit on Sunday. No, share light at the grocery store. You know, you can share light by saying good morning. The Bible says that one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is kindness. And so you can be kind. You can open up your mouth and be kind and allow the Holy Spirit to now go and engage your heart and do what you cannot do. You know what that is? That is sharing the light. Sharing the light. Here's some good news in spite of all the darkness that we see. Jesus said this in John 8. He who follows me will never be in darkness, but will always have the light of light. Can we give God a hand for that? Come on. Let's thank the Lord for that. Because we might be surrounded by the darkness, but we don't have to travel and navigate the darkness like those that don't have any direction. Amen. You know, I was jokingly sharing with uh, a group of people last month. Why can't they be a better mom? Why can't they be a better dad? Why can't they make this decision? Why can't they do that? You know why? Because they're lost. They're in darkness. They're trying to navigate in a cruel world without the light of God. But look at somebody and say, that's where you come in. That's where you come in, because we have the antidote, and the antidote is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so whether you're young or old, male or female, poor or rich, new convert to staff pastor, black, white, or somewhere in between, I want to encourage you to share the light. And if you have your Bibles, I'm going to ask you to turn to Mark chapter 5. Mark's gospel holds a passage that captures the essence of what I'm trying to share with you. It's up on the PowerPoint. And so in Mark chapter 5, Jesus has ministered to a demoniac. This man has been delivered from demonic oppression. 
He's been touched by the glory and power of God. And this is what happens next. Mark 5 and verse 18, I'm reading from the New International Version of the Scriptures. It says, as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So Jesus says, go home to your own people. But Jesus, I have a call on my life and I want to preach the gospel around the world. Nope. Go home to your own people. But Lord, you're giving me a word for those people down there. No, no, no. Go to your own people, to your own jobs, to your own communities, to your own classmates, to your own in-laws or outlaws, depending on what your situation is like, <laughs> depending on what your situation is. But God is in the house, so we can pray for that, right, Pastor Stephen? So Jesus says, go to your own people, our own neighbors, our own co-workers, our own team members, our own families. He lays hands on this demoniac. Well, we don't, Scripture, Mark doesn't say that. It doesn't say that in the text that he lays hands on him, but it says that he was delivered. It says that Jesus delivered him, and he wanted to go with Jesus. He begged him. In the Greek, it literally means he, he was saying, Lord, I don't want to stay here. I want to go there. I don't want to stay here in this place. I, I can't wait till we can move out of this neighborhood, baby. <laughs> I can't wait till God gives me a promotion so I can get off of this crazy floor, this crazy shift. But Jesus says, no, that's what he was saying. Jesus, I want to get out of here. No, that's what the Greek says. He says, no. Jesus says, no, you, I want you to go back to your own people. That place that is so dark. That place that you can't stand. Jesus says, you are the light. You are the light in the darkness. And so reading this passage causes us to consider this question. Are our eyes open to the needs of those right in front of us? Are our eyes open to the needs of those right in front of us? They are the ones who Christ has commissioned us to reach. And like I said a moment ago, I believe that the greatest revival in our lives is going to take place as individual believers reach forth into the darkness and become light. And so uh, I, I want you, if you're on social media, you can kind of put this on your Facebook pages or your Twitters or whatever. You can put it, Piedmont International Church, we hashtag puncture the darkness. At Piedmont, P-I-C, we hashtag puncture the darkness because you have to say it and believe it before you will do it. I will not let people live around me who have needs. You know, I was talking with someone a couple of months ago and, and they were talking to me about how that, you know, sometimes, you know, Christians, we're so spoiled sometimes. We kind of get spoiled and we get so comfortable. And they said, you know what? Some of the things that we look at as crises, they're simply inconveniences. It's not a crisis. It's just an inconvenience. They run out of your flavor at, 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 at uh, uh, Starbucks. Oh, my God. The kids acting a little crazy. Oh, my God. What's going on? Oh, my God. It's not a crisis. 
It's just an inconvenience. There are people that are living in darkness who have real crises, and God has called us to go forth and to reach them. And so today, I just want to encourage you to simply do this. Take another step. I'm not asking you to go run out and jump out on 85 and with a little flag say, Jesus is Lord, and jump up on your tables at work tomorrow with a Bible. And if the Holy Spirit tells you to do that, you better obey. (laughs) I want to encourage you to obey the Holy Spirit. But I believe that Jesus works with us like this. He says, take another step. Just take another step. Take another step today. Will you commit today to taking another step to sharing the light within you? There are certain talents that you have. There are unique abilities that you've been that's been developed within you. There are experiences that are exclusive to you that gives you weight in the eyes of some. There's a road that you have walked where you can share the gospel like no one else. And all of those parts are working together inside of you to form a particular light within you. Will you say amen? One of the gifts that I have is I'm a spoken word artist. I'm a Christian hip hop artist. I was rapping before I came into the kingdom. And then when I got saved uh, over 23 years ago, I just switched up the lyrics and the Lord did a work in my heart. And so now I share about God's glory and the brokenness and how it can be changed. But whatever maybe you have, and I'm sure you do, a particular gift. And a gift is not always a musical gift or some type of talent. You might have a gift of baking. Now, my wife, my wife, man, I am from New York. My wife is from Virginia. And I remember when we started dating and it really began to be serious. She would say things after church like, well, before you go back to the base, because I was in the Navy, she would say, why don't you come by my apartment? Some friends are going to come over and I'm going to make dinner. And I would go to that house, Pastor Stephen, and she would make some of these meals that I had. I was just a little young, struggling Navy kid. And she would make these meals. And I discovered she has a gift for cooking. And somebody said that she's, I never had never heard this until I went to Virginia. She's grits. She's a grits, a girl raised in the South. That's what they, that's what they called them. They would say, you got a taste of those grits, huh? I say, well, grits, what do you mean? A girl raised in the South. She got you. <laughs> they say, wait till a man's heart is through his stomach. I think she figured that out or something way before we met. But that's her gift. I'm not being just funny. I'm serious. My wife really, and she's never taken a class on on cooking or anything. Maybe you have a gift to where you can bake or you can do something like that. Maybe you have, we had a little uh, cookout yesterday at the church, and there's a woman that made those little keychain things that you had got. I mean, all these little crafty ideas and different things. Maybe you're strong and you have energy. You can go and you can cut lawns, cut a lawn of an elderly person in your neighborhood, or you can reach out. Maybe you could be a pen pal to someone that's uh, incarcerated. Something. Just be the light. Just be the light. Wherever you can find darkness, be light there. Be light there. If there's a cashier that's in the grocery store in your neighborhood, instead of saying, oh, there's, I'm not going to skip her line. I'm not even going to go down her line because she has an attitude. No, purposely, intentionally go down that line so you can say, good morning, good afternoon. How are you? God bless you. I want you to know that whatever you're going through, it's going to be okay. 
It's going to be all right. That's another thing my wife is very good at. She ministers to some of the young women at these cashiers that we go, these cashiers that we see in the Walmart. It's usually a young lady and the young lady will have an attitude and my wife just breaks her down. She'll say, how you doing today? And the young lady have an attitude. They were supposed to give me a break and I ain't have a break and I'm supposed to go home and blah, 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 blah. And my wife would just encourage her. It's going to be okay. I've been there before. I know what you're going through. Be encouraged. She'll just break her down with the love of God and sharing and being an example of Jesus Christ. Can you go forth and do the same thing today? You can do it. Look at somebody and say, you can do it. You can do it today. And so what unique light is the Holy Spirit forming in you? What interests are developing within your heart? What gifts or skills do you have? What walk of life do you come from? I want you to process these things and begin to pray and say, Lord, what are you doing in me? God, what in my life that was painful, but it's redemptive. It's redemptive. It's not just a part of my life where it was painful and now I'm glad it's over and I'm scared to look back. No, it's redemptive. Because you brought me through that, Lord. You allowed me to make it through that. And now I can be an example and a witness to somebody else. And so as we begin to wind the sermon down and bring it to a close, I want to go over with you briefly four things which power the light of God within us. Four things which power the light of God within us. And the first thing is this right here, compassion. It's up on the PowerPoint compassion, compassion. Jesus was the embodiment of all things divine, holy, and majestic, yet he was compassionate to those who were the exact opposite. I read something by Andy Stanley. Uh, if you don't know who that is, he's Charles Stanley's son, has a church in uh, Georgia, uh, and I, I like to listen to some of his leadership development things, and, and, he, and he's a great preacher as well. Uh, but he said something the other day that was so cool. He said people that were, uh, he said people that were really not like Jesus, liked Jesus. Did, did, did you hear that? People that were not like Jesus at all, but they liked him a lot. They were the furthest from who he was, but yet they really liked him. Now, I'm not saying that everybody that's in darkness is going to like you because how, by show, how, many, how many people know that's not true? It's, I mean, Paul talks about it, you know, what communion does light have with darkness and et cetera in 1 Corinthians 6. So we know that's not the case. But here's the deal. You have light in you. You have love that people are going to be drawn to. People are going to be people are going to people are going to be attracted to. Yesterday, we had a school drive, school supply, give a drive. We've been collecting these school supplies. And so we went into this community. Uh, we're actually be praying for us. We, we have a community in Charlotte where we want to move to. It's a community in Charlotte, Central Avenue area. It's very diverse because we, too, we are intentionally multi-ethnic. And we literally have in our church, it is such a diverse bunch of people, uh, white, black, Armenian, uh, and, and, and even socioeconomic as well. We literally have everywhere from homeless people all the way up to an NFL coach. Uh, uh, John Settle, who is the running back coach for the Carolina Panthers, uh, is a member of our church. Uh, he actually left because he went to uh, Cle the Cleveland Browns. But he said, Pastor Kirby, he bought a house in Charlotte. And he said, when I come back, when my family and I come back, he said, we're coming back to our five church because God is doing something. And I think the trans-ethnic, multi-ethnic church is the greatest witness to the world today. Will you say amen? amen. 
It's the greatest witness to the world today. And so Jesus, he loved those who were so different from him. Look at this passage of scripture, Mark 9 and 36. It's up on a PowerPoint. It says that Jesus was looking at a crowd of people. It says when he saw the crowds, he felt sorry for them. They were confused and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Some translation says that he had compassion on them. And that word compassion comes from a Greek word, splagnitsomai. Splagnitsomai, and it means from the inward parts. In the deep place where no one can see, Jesus had compassion. He was broken for these people. He said, Lord, it's Father. Oh, they're like sheep without a shepherd. They never had a father to teach them. They never had a mother to teach them. They didn't have the opportunities that I had, Lord. My heart breaks for them. I must be light. You know what Jesus had? He had a burden. He had a burden. It wasn't just compassionate. He had a burden. I tell people, some people say to me, oh, I bet preaching is your passion. You just love to preach. I say, yeah, it is a passion, but there's something greater than that. I said, I have a burden. You know what my burden is? My burden is... Seeing when I see stories of little children that are physically and sexually abused, that burdens me. I weep at night in prayer. I'd rather pray for them than to preach the word. That's my burden. That's God, Lord. What can my life, how can my life make a difference for them, Lord? That's a burden. See, there's so many people in the body of Christ. We just want to grab the microphone and get up on the platform and kind of look good and feel good. And we think we're doing something. No, God says, where's your burden? What's your burden? It's your burden that will make a difference in the lives of people. Gifts come a dime a dozen. Say amen to that. But it's your burden that will change the lives of others. It's your burden. So I have a question for you. Who is God calling you to be compassionate to today? How is he leading you to express compassion? Another thing that our church does is we work with the sex slave trade, uh, human trafficking. We've been working with a ministry now for a little over a year. We partnered, we began partnering with them. That's a burden. One of the visions that we want to do is start a home in Charlotte called Hickory and Jerry's Home. Hickory and Jerry is the name of my grandparents who raised us, pretty much raised us, and stepped in, tried to provide some sense of stability in our lives, myself and my siblings and some of my cousins and et cetera. But Hickory and Jerry's Home, we want to start a home to reach out to these broken children all around the world. That's compassion. Can you say amen? That's compassion. And people may reject your theology, but they'll never reject your compassion. (laughs) When they don't want to hear about your Jesus, they'll still take a ham sandwich when they're hungry. Amen to that. When they don't want to hear your theology or the Romans road or I don't hear all that stuff, but they still need a ride home from work. They still need somebody to cover their shift and you can do it. They still need somebody to be compassionate. So our lights need to be powered by compassion. And not only that, our, nice, our lights need, the light of God within us needs to be powered by mercy. It's up on a PowerPoint. Mercy. Can you look at somebody and say mercy? Mercy. mercy. Our families, our jobs, and our communities are filled with broken, hurting people who are savagely reminded how bad they messed up. They're always reminded how they ruined their family, how they missed opportunities earlier in life, how they did this or they did that. Will you be the one that God can use to give them a second chance? 
Will you be the one that God can use to let them know it'll be all right? See, it'll be okay. Will you be the one to show them mercy? You know why? Because everyone responds to grace and mercy. Everyone responds. The hardest of hearts will respond to grace and mercy, which is why God dishes it out more than anything else. Aren't you glad about that? Can we say amen to that? God dishes out grace and mercy more than anything else. And are you doing the same with those around you? Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 7, God blesses those who are merciful. Why? For they will be shown mercy. They will be shown mercy. And can you go forth and show grace and mercy today? Are you building relationships? Are you building your family? Are you building those around you through grace and mercy? Someone once said, if you want to build something significant for the kingdom of God, don't build a ministry, build a family. You know how you build a family? You build it through mercy. Anybody have children in here? I know you do because I can see the babies. I can hear the babies. And if you have children, you know that there are going to be times when you need to extend mercy. Amen. There are going to be times. God has taught me so much about his nature through my relationship with my children more than anything else. See, his word teaches me and it gets in my mind and, and, and it's renewing my mind. But, oh, it's something about my own children when I have to have mercy and I look at them and see how broken they are. I have a daughter that's 17. She's, she's going to be a senior this year. And my wife and I tell this story. It's so funny. I remember when she was about two years old and uh, she, uh, she loves chocolate ever since she was a little kid. So I remember one time my wife and I were in a dining room. We were having a conversation, and my daughter comes by. She's about two. And my wife was getting ready to bake some chocolate chip cookies, so she had the chocolate chip, chocolate chips in a little bowl on the counter in the kitchen and everything. My daughter comes by. She walks in the kitchen. She comes back out. She goes, can I have some chocolate chips? Because she loves chocolate. And so my wife says, no, honey, those are for the cookies. She goes, okay. She goes back into the kitchen, and a few minutes later she comes out, and there's a stream of chocolate melting chocolate running down her face. She, she's not, see, her brain hasn't developed enough for her to know the chocolate is going to melt in your mouth and it's going to begin to run down the sides of your mouth. So she comes out, but she's smart enough to try to run by us. <laughs> like she tries to run by and like just go back up to her room really fast. So we, I remember my wife and I both saw it and we just kind of look at each other like we cannot believe that this girl raised in a Christian home for two years <laughs> would try to steal chocolate chips. Chocolate chips now, but cars later, right? That's what I'll take it. So we call her back. And one of the things I thank God for is all three of my children. I have a 21-year-old that's a senior in UNCC, and my daughter and my youngest, they all have sensitive hearts. I thank God for that. They, they, they weren't built like I was when I was a kid, and I was just getting in all kinds of trouble. They don't like trouble. They're very sensitive to the things of God. And, and when conviction comes, they, they break easy. I thank God for that. And my daughter, as soon as she came back, she was only two, we said, come here, Kayla. And she came back, and she just began to weep and cry because she knew she was wrong. And I can still remember. That was many, many years ago. I can remember the compassion that just bubbled up in my heart, the mercy that bubbled up in my heart for my little girl. And I could hear the spirit ever since then saying, that's how I feel about you. So, see, when you do wrong, don't run from me. Don't run from me. I love you. 
I'm, not, I'm, 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 I'm angry with the sin in your life. But if you leave, see, a, a father or child doesn't want to be away from their father. The Lord doesn't want us to be away from him. And so we have to have mercy. Will you have mercy today? The next thing is humility. It's up on a PowerPoint. Humility. This week, God calls you to a greater expression of humility. And our example is Jesus Christ. You know, a biblical definition of humility is this, controlled strength. That's what humility is. It's controlled strength. You know, humility says, humility says, I I really should body slam you right now. But instead, I'm going to pray for you. That's humility. I could body slam you right now. I really could. But instead, I'm going to pray for you. That's humility. That's the WWE version of humility, but it's still humility. It was the great C.S. Lewis that said this. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. And it's through the humble soul that God's glory shines the brightest. It's through the humble soul that God's glory shines the brightest. How much brighter could the light of God shine through if we lived selfless lives? If we truly embrace Romans 3 and 23 that says all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory, present company included. If we all understood that we've all been infected with sin and we are all in desperate need of God's grace. I believe that revival breaks out into the uh, hearts of the coldest of men when we walk in humility, when we walk in humility. You know, I talked a moment ago about this great racial divide that's in our country right now. You know, about a month ago after, or a little more than a month ago, but there were the shootings uh, in Baton Rouge and in Minnesota. And I remember there was, a, there was all kinds of, you know, protests and meetings. And uh, about a month and a half, two months ago, uh, myself and Shelton was with me and a couple other people. We went to one after church. There was a huge rally on racial harmony and they were going to give the community an opportunity to talk with the police. There were attorneys from the district attorney office, lawyers there from the district attorney office. There were retired police officers there. There were regular police officers there. And I remember the Lord laid on my heart, I want you to go because the church needs to be a voice in this area. The church doesn't just need to sit back and say, oh, well, we're just going to let it play. Let the politicians handle it. No, God says you go and you be a voice. And so we went down there. Myself, it was about five or six of us, I guess, or somewhere around there. And we listened to people go back and forth, back and forth. And one of the things, and I had an opportunity to speak, and one of the things that was heavy on my heart was humility. Humility. Because humility says this, I may not understand everything that you deal with. I may not understand your life. I may not understand your culture. But your life matters to me. That's what humility says. I don't look like you. I can't understand your experience. But your life matters to me. See, humility doesn't say, oh, well, lives are being taken. um, Human lives. Say amen to that. And humility says, if that was my child. Humility says, I understand if my father was a police officer, how I would pray for him. How I wouldn't want him to go out into all that uncertainty. When we can come together with humble hearts and try to understand one another and have conversations instead of pitching our tents in the field of battle across from one another, then we will make progress. Will you say amen? 
Because as long as we're fanning the flames of division and standing on the opposite aisles and pointing fingers and screaming and saying, it's your fault. I don't care. I don't want to hear your story. I don't care. It just happened. We will never get any progress. And the devil will continue to do what? He'll continue to just throw seeds of darkness all out over the place. And generations and generations and generations will continue to grow with hate and not want to hear anything. And the church will just sit back and let it all happen. But God wants to use you today and me today to be a light. Will you say amen? Can we give God a hand clap for that church? He wants to use you to be a light. And so can I encourage you, walk in humility. What does God want you to do this week? Whatever rock that's going to create the greatest humility in you. Whatever rock that's going to squeeze the most humility out of you, that's what God wants you to do. Don't argue with people on social media about this or that. No, walk in humility. Say amen. You know, when Jesus walked the earth, when it came to with sinners, he was conversational. He was only confrontational with the religious knuckleheads. See, with the religious, they thought they were the religious elite. He was confrontational. But with sinners, he was conversational. He spoke with them. He tried to understand where they were coming from. He tried to show his love to them. And so walk in humility today. Simply resist the temptation to be prideful. Finally, this is the last one, and then we're done. We have to power our lights. It's up on the PowerPoint with the gospel. The gospel. There's a way that you can share the gospel like no one else can. You know why? Because no one has lived your story like you. See, no one can tell it like you. Your story plus God's grace plus the Holy Spirit minus a heart that quits equals a life that beams with the power of the gospel. And as we continue to follow Jesus, our lives begin to show the fruit of the light of the gospel. And people are watching. Can I tell you that people are watching you? People are looking. When you don't know that they're watching, they're watching because they want to see, do you really believe what you say you believe? Do you really believe that Jesus will meet all your needs? Do you really believe that Jesus will touch hearts? Do you really believe that God can transform me? They want to see that. And they're watching. Rodney Smith, a 19th century British evangelist, once shared this. There are five Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and the Christian. But most people never read the first four. And so people are reading you. What are they seeing? Are they seeing the gospel lived out. Are they seeing you love? Are they seeing you share? Are they seeing you be like Jesus? And it's just that simple. Just go forth and show love because everybody is looking for the love of God. They may not understand it. They may not know it, but everyone is looking for the love that only Jesus Christ can give. Everyone is looking for the acceptance that only comes through the gospel. Everybody is looking for something to break the strongholds in their lives, and it's the gospel. But it will never get out if we don't open our mouths and share the gospel. You know, one of the things that uh, I've teached my church, and, and, and we constantly, I constantly keep it before them, Pastor Stephen, is to preach the gospel. And it's simple. You know, one of the ways I just shared a moment ago with you, Paul says that one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is kindness. And I tell him, you know, you can preach the gospel just by being kind. Just by saying, good morning, how are you? 
It's too bad those Panthers lost last night. I'll be praying for you. You got to be kind to people. Nobody laughed. I'm in some serious Panther territory right here. <laughs> I'm teasing. But being kind to people. Oh, you go right ahead of me. You go right ahead of me. Being kind, that opens the door. It may, you may not be able to share spiritual truth right away, but maybe in a month or so if you work with them, maybe in two weeks if you live next door to them, eventually you will have an opportunity to share the gospel. Don't you love the way Jesus just would just start conversations with people? The woman at the well, different people, the man sitting next to the pool of Bethesda. Jesus would just start conversations with them. You know what he was doing? He was just having manners. He was being kind, and it opened the door for him to give them life. Can we do that today, or will we be so caught up in our own little lives that we don't see the needs of those around us? And so in closing, I want to leave you with this passage of Scripture that Paul shared with the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 9 and 16. He says, I am compelled by God to do it. How terrible for me if I didn't preach the gospel. If I didn't preach the gospel. What could change around you if you decided to share the good news every day? Who could change? Or what life could possibly go in an opposite direction if you simply spoke about Christ's love for them? And so, church, I want to encourage you, Piedmont International Church, to open your mouth and be the light. Because you have been loosed to be light. Can you say amen? amen. And there's no more excuses. Jesus took a man who a few minutes earlier, he was possessed with demons. <laughs> and he commissioned him to go. What's our excuse? What's our excuse? Amen. Let me say a brief word of prayer. Then I'm going to ask Pastor Stephen to come. If you'll bow your heads with me. Father, I come before you, Lord, and I thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thank you for the good news, Lord. Thank you for the good news. You're so good. Thank you for the good news that changes us. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Pastor Stephen, can I pray for the congregation? Can I pray? Uh, I just want to say a prayer, but then I asked Pastor Stephen earlier if I could pray for him and his wife. And so in a moment, I'm going to ask you and uh, if you and Carrie would come forward. And I just want to pray for you and maybe have some of your uh, leaders come and just stand with you, man. I just... You know, feel led in my heart, man, to pray for you, brother. And, you know, just is there. Is that all right? Amen. I know it's kind of putting a lot of pressure on you to ask you if it's all right now, right? No, that's not all right. You can't pray for me in the church, no. But I just want to pray for you, uh, church. Hallelujah. God is good. And this is what the Lord requires of you today. He says, just take another step. Take another step. Now, maybe that your step would be this pulling out that phone and sending a text message to someone and saying, God loves you, so do I. Maybe that's your next step today. Maybe your next step is that person that lives next door to you that the Holy Spirit has just been touching your heart. As this one sister used to say, the Holy Spirit has his finger on your heart, Brother Kirby. This mother in the church used to tell me that. She has his finger on your heart. Maybe it's somebody in your life and the Holy Spirit is saying, I want you to open your mouth and, and speak to them. That's what Jesus Christ requires today. Take another step.
go and tell someone else how good God has been to you. And so, Father, I just pray right now for the church, Lord, and I thank you, Heavenly Father, for every tongue, tribe, and nation in this church, Lord God. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for open doors this week, doors to open to share the gospel. If that's you, I'm going to ask you to lift your hands. If you want doors open to share the gospel this week, will you just lift your hands to the Lord? Father God, I pray, Heavenly Father, not just for open doors, but for the anointing that breaks yokes, Lord God. I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord, that when, 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 when we share, that light would come in and locks on hearts would begin to un unchain, be unchained. I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord God, that chains would fall off of people's lives. I pray, Heavenly Father, that minds would begin to be renewed as your people recommit like never before to share the good news. Lord, I pray that you'd help us to put others' needs before ours. So that, Lord, and help us, Lord God, not to be so self absorbed where we don't see the needs of those around us. We can change the atmosphere around us if we would simply be light and we thank you for helping us to do it in Jesus name hallelujah now I'm going to ask uh, Pastor Stephen and Carrie if they would come forward and I just feel led of the Holy Spirit just to pray for you is that okay, okay. that's my ADD kicking in I'm asking them again I, amen I just want to just want to pray for this ever since I met your pastor one of the things that uh, I love about him is just his humility it's just his humility and, and his his warmth and, and, and just the love that's on him. And, and so I thank you for that, brother. And, and, and I just want to pray for you. And so, uh, Father, I just pray for Pastor Stephen and Carrie, Lord, and uh, stretch your hands towards your pastor. You all love your pastor. Amen. Hallelujah. This is a great man, a great man. And, and, and I haven't known you long, but I just feel it, brother, in my heart. There's such a wealth of wisdom and anointing and, 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 and stories and and, and God, I pray, Heavenly Father, that, Lord God, you would increase, Lord, an anointing, Lord, to share light, Father, in the name of Jesus. I pray, Lord God, that, Heavenly Father, when he preaches, Lord God, that, Lord, that, that hearts would just be drawn to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that, Lord God, when he speaks, Lord, there would be such a, an unrest in the hearts of men to go forth and to share, Lord, uh, 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 that the comfortable would be afflicted from the preaching of, of this man, Lord God, and that they would go forth and share like never before, Lord God, from children to adults, showing the love of God, preaching the gospel, hallelujah, walking with others, being patient, Lord God, heavenly Father, and I pray, Lord God, that as you do it, revival will begin to break out. Pastor Stephen, on my job, somebody got saved. Pastor Stephen, in my school, they want to know the Lord. Pastor Stephen, they asked me to share a start a Bible study. Lord God, let it begin to happen all over the place, Lord God, and fan the flames of personal revival, fan the flames of personal evangelism in the hearts of everyone here, Lord God. Help us to be more like you, Jesus. More like you. And Lord, I pray for Carrie. Lord, I pray for his wife. I pray that you strengthen her. I pray, Heavenly Father, Lord God, that you would just continue, Lord God, to plant women around her, Lord God, to hold up her arms and to pray for her, Lord God. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. Hallelujah, Lord, to pray for her, to strengthen her, to stand with her. Bless this awesome couple, Lord God, and give them anointing and favor and the ability to continue to lead in this season. We bless them and we pray. We bless them and we praise you for them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Can we clap, church? Amen. Bless you, brother. Amen, amen. Wow, the Lord is good, right? Thank you, Pastor Kirby. And hope you feel encouraged, challenged, stretched as well. I mean, that's hard in a lot of ways. I know there's a lot that comes against us for not sharing the gospel. What will this person think of me now I have to work with or live beside for the next year, two years, three years, four years? Think I'm one of those hyper-spiritual people. You know, all these things that we, we begin to kind of psych ourselves out over. And so... Thank you so much, Kirby, just for the way that you, you made that so simple and, and so real, too. I mean, called me out in a couple places. Hopefully called all of us out in a couple places. But it's, it's simple. We have a story. We have the Holy Spirit. Can't argue with either one. And so go and be the light in the world where he's placed you. And, you know, on the campus, in the classroom, in the marketplace, wherever it may be, in the home. God's moving. Amen? All right. We're going to go ahead and dismiss this morning.